The OTL podcast is brought to you in association with STEM Recruitment Solutions. If you need help in recruiting for science, technology, engineering and maths, visit stemrecsolutions.co.uk to find out more. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Only the Lonely podcast. Um, I am back as your host this month, it's Emma Quigley. And this month I'm joined by normally who is our host, Mr Colin Telford. But um, he's been to a few games this month and gave me pass marks on my um, last uh, stint in the hot seat. So he's decided to join us as a panellist. Welcome Colin. Thank you Emma. That's strange sitting on the other side of the table. But yeah, a strong pass marks put me to shame so yeah thank you for for hosting again and uh, delighted to be joining as a panelist and next we've got another Colin. we've got colin campbell and um, fresh from birthday celebrations i think welcome along colin yes uh, i reached the middle age of the 70s so yes uh, i enjoyed my trip away to the rugby area of the borders uh, can't understand rugby but the melrose and kelso were lovely places well, I hope you had a lovely birthday and happy birthday from all of us. Thank you very much. And finally, last but not least, we've got a new panellist joining us for the very first time. We've got Aaron Newart. Welcome along, Aaron. Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here making my debut. So we'll not throw you deep in straight away, but when we come round, <laughs> we'll, we'll ask you a little bit about your, your journey supporting Airdrie, how you, how you started to um, follow yep. the Diamonds. But um, I think last time we spoke was just at the end of January, where we had... Um, all of February's fixtures ahead of us and we were all kind of young and full of hope I think that um, <laughs> we may be able to to do a little bit better than we did um, we've gone kind of from patience as a virtue to I think patience is wearing thin maybe for, for some of us after that run of results um, it's fair to say it's, it's been a, a difficult month um, we're leaking a lot of goals I think if we want to be in with any hopes of of a playoff spot we need to kind of um tighten tighten that up so I'll kind of start obviously we we were beaten in Fermland and then we lost in um, spectacular fashion which uh, as we all know is, is fun when um when we do it not so much when it happens to happens to you so I guess I'll just start with you Colin and kind of you know what's your kind of thoughts on maybe that in Fermland game in particular before we move on to the the next two so for me, uh, yeah, it was just a strange, strange game. So it happens all too often uh, uh, to us. I think back to the Wraith Rovers game. We don't even even need to go back to the Edinburgh game. I think I said on here, similar, like at half time, uh, I met Mr Duffy down at the, the pie stand and like, you're really optimistic. You're 2-0 up, but the Vernon looked a shambles. They were passing the ball at the park. They looked really, really rattled. We'd been excellent. Calm Gallagher nearly scoring from about the halfway line could could have been a bigger lead. Uh, start of the second half, you score the third. 
I was actually sitting thinking, right, okay, well, if we win again next week and then beat Falkirk, <laughs> we, could, we could even win the league. Like, I was allowing my mind to go there. Uh, again, said like they had my game as good as the football had been last season. Uh, and then daft red card, like you can talk about whether it was or whether it wasn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, and suddenly it's 3 1. 3 2 comes around very, very quickly. And you kind of knew. I think you you, get the, you looked at the players and you kind of felt the atmosphere in the stand was this is this is going to go very badly. The only bright spot was the uh, I don't know how many of them thirty or so Dunfermline fans who chose to leave the stadium at three 0 and we could all see them standing next to a minibus. Like how none of them had the gumption to search on their phones and there was a pub within about 200 yards that they could have gone round to the four aisles and uh, and enjoyed themselves there but not just stand looking like lemons in, in the car park while the team pulled off like, a remarkable comeback uh, so yeah in that game just it's just Adrian a microcosm this season can be sublime it uh, can also be horribly slack at the back give away soft goals uh, and wasn't even that surprising because we'd seen it just a few weeks earlier against against Edinburgh, and the, the worry is it could probably it could probably happen again. <laughs> so yeah, that's a soft underbelly to the team, uh, and unless we sort that out, I think that's my big concern about we need to kind of sort it a bit to make the playoffs. And we even if we if we're lucky enough to finish top four, four games in quite a short space of time, you throw in one performance like that, and it could be gone. So, uh, yeah, one one to remember, but not for happy reasons. Yeah, I largely agree with that. Uh, there was a situation at 3-1, I think, when we did create a chance and Benedictus, uh, the great tackle, I think, on McGill. Um, but even, even had we scored and made it 4-1, I was starting to panic uh, just from the way the game had turned around. Uh, and like you, when it went to three two, you could see feel feel the resignation uh, in the stand that here we go again, the Edinburgh game. Um, really, really disappointing. Um, one of my friends was thinking they wouldn't go to the away games uh, simply because of what had happened. But like most things, you think you'll miss something. Unfortunately, <laughs> we had one good performance at Dunfermline and a dreadful. Display down at Palmerston on Saturday. So, yeah, really, really annoyed. Patience is a virtue, yes. Uh, I think there's a, as Oscar Wilde said, it was seldom seen in women. Please don't get upset, Emma, but never in men. Um, I've been very patient, but I think I've now reached the end of it. And Aaron, um, was a newest panelist, you're, you're a bit like me, you're a diamond from out of town. So, were you? I'm not sure if you were at the Dunfermline game, but if you could tell us a little bit about how you started following the Diamonds and your thoughts on that match. Yeah, well, uh, well, my, my family's all from Airdrie, so I got my first season ticket, I think, six or seven years ago. It uh, wasn't great. The football wasn't great, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. So here we are now, home and away almost every week. Uh, but yeah, the, the Dunfermline game was... It was just the, the story of our season in 90 minutes, I think. We started so well. I think, actually, it was probably quite even for the first, maybe before we got the first goal. And then we just, they they had they were in absolute shambles and we had them on the ropes. But I think everyone seemed to know, even when it went 3-1, I was 
it wasn't even before the, the second goal. I just had a feeling it wouldn't go very well for us. So, But it was, it was gotten in the end to, to lose all three points. But I, w- I went to Dunfermline away as well. And I was quite happy with that performance. Although we were ahead again and fumbled another lead, which isn't great. Uh, but yeah, I was happy with that point. Hutton, a great penalty save. But yeah, it's just since then, the Falkirk and Queen of the South games have just got worse and worse. Yeah, I was just going to kind of link on to that. I, I confess, um, I ordered the stream for the, the Fairland away game because I wasn't in the country. I fell asleep and missed the first half an, an hour ago, but I did tune in <laughs> to see um, Hutton's, Hutton's glorious comeback. But I mean, actually, a point on the road to the Fairland kind of wasn't um, the end of, of the world there. Um, I don't think we 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 played badly. Um, obviously, considering we had the red card the week before, um, I remember just when that red for Calum Smith came out, um, my heart just sank, and um, it almost became an exercise and just staying to see if we would actually go on to blow it. Um, and sadly, we were proved right. But obviously, we we had the the draw on the road. We Collins, were you were you happy with the the draw away from home? Yeah, I thought that the Fermland game uh, was uh, much better than many of us had thought would happen. Um, I think we had two guys up front, which meant that none of their defenders get time uh, on the ball. And I think we were further up the park than we were in quite a few other games. We have played well in the Fermland in both games. We could have lost, uh, I think, the penalty. I still think it was a a fairly soft challenge by the goalie. Um, the centre forward do, does what they all do. I felt contact and down I went. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't think Hutton would save it. So I had at least the four or five four-letter words uh, as he was coming on. But uh, no, great save. Yeah. So they've done well against Thurman and the top teams. Our season's been... It's the Edinburgh games. They're the ones that have essentially left us just chasing fourth or fifth <laughs> or third. Um, they're not the kind of games we should have lost. They're, they're worse than the, the Dunfermline game, I think, in many ways. It was a freak kind of performance once Smith gets sent off. Yeah, well, that, that is a kind of a point. Um, Colin, Colin Telford, um, that's the third game in a row. We've taken, we move on to the Falkirk game. That's three games that we took the lead in, that we ultimately ended up losing. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, heavy defeats. You know, what, why are we so leaky? You know, what what do we think that the, the, the kind of issue is? Is it, is it the basics? Is it something the way we were set up? What do you guys think is the kind of underlying issue? Yeah, I don't know. I think there's maybe a couple of elements to it. So, I mean, in all of those games, it's not like it was against the run of play. Although, at the we, uh, sorry, in the Falkirk game, they probably did start quite brightly and then we had a spell after the goal. But uh, you can see we were good value for the lead in each game. I, it seems to me that we can press with intensity and successfully in games, especially early on in games. And then that does seem to drop away. And I don't know if it, if it's almost like they're they've punched themselves out a bit, uh, and and the energy's low. Uh, the, I mean, there's, there's so many of the goals are so soft. They say it in the post match interviews. We said in January, what did you want? You wanted a big 
solid set and a half and uh, I kind of was it Todd that was at Queen of the South on Saturday like a, a destroyer in midfield who could just uh, we never got either of them but we probably never got either of them because it's a financial reality and we don't want to do a Falkirk and post a £1.2 million loss for uh, for a financial year so you have to live within your means and we just I think personnel wise we've not got that solidity last year it looked much more solid. Bruce McCabe playing at the back next to Fordyce. Haven't really gone back to that, which I've been surprised at. Might, given that he's having to manage the game, or manage the team uh, as well, maybe playing centre-half would uh, just make it a bit easier than, than being in the middle of everything. Agnew, who I called for to be dropped for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for quite a few games last year, you know, thinking maybe he did shield the the back four and break up stuff again. Seems to be a theme that we've lost kind of a lot of shots from about twenty yards out. Where maybe that was something that he was doing, which wasn't as obvious to me when I was uh, shouting for Josh Kerr to get back in and Reese to play slightly that bit further forward. So uh, we just don't look as solid and like. Four dice. The consensus seems to be he's not had as good a season, but actually recently he's uh, he's looked more like himself uh, over this last run of games. But he's not had a consistent partner. You're now dropping Lucky Bird in with nine games to go, and hoping that that will gel quickly. So I, I don't know. A mix of maybe that we're we're so high pressing compared to to last year. It's more like a basketball team than a team that at points last year we just we had total control of games, like the other teams couldn't get the ball, it's not as much like that do we get tired uh, and then just on personnel, we know that we're a bit soft, so once we are tired we give away these stupid goals and like Reese said at the weekend, you find yourself needing to score three even against the and that wasn't enough, four go- goals to get anything out of games so I, I think there's probably a, 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 a mix of things um, yeah, I've said enough there that something must have been right <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, what about, what about yourself? What's been your kind of takeaways from the games in, in February? And then like, you and I were down at the, the Queen of the South game on Saturday. Obviously, we lost some pretty poor goals as well. What's been your kind of takeaway? Yeah, well, I think we've shown two sides to ourselves. We've shown that the the football is there uh, in the first halves against teams like Dunfermline. But we just it's the, like the polar opposite from last season where you never really feel... Like no matter how many goals ahead that we're comfortable in a game, um. So I think the the Queen of the South game was probably the worst out of all of them, uh, just because of the the manner. It seemed as if a lot of the players is not a lack of effort, but kind of they seemed unbothered and deflated throughout the whole match. And we were even we were gifted a goal in that match with the the own goal. And we still didn't manage to make anything of it. So there's definitely worries there. But I think there's enough promise that I've still got some hope that we'll be able to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a bit of the thing that I've maybe sometimes worries me is whenever we seem to get a, a bad result, if you go back to the Edinburgh City game early in the season, I know we, we beat Clyde the next week, but it unsettled us, I, I feel, for the next few games. And I feel like a similar pattern is emerging after... The Dunfermline game at the start of February, you know, it's just been it's very easy to maybe knock the the confidence or, or knock the stuffing out of this game and and just in a and, and in a game as well if something doesn't go their way, um, I'm not sure that 
last season's team, you know, the, the fight that they had in them. And I, I don't quite maybe see it this time around. I think heads go down and that maybe just may be because we've got a, a bigger mix of younger players. But if we look at a year ago, and it's probably not an unfair comparison because it was such a fantastic run we were on, but I think we were in the middle of the unbeaten run. We, You know, we were, as you said, I don't feel too worried in, in any games, even when it wasn't going our way. Um, you know, we, we weren't hammering teams every single week, you know, but, we, you know, we were scoring goals and we were able to, to hold a lead, keep some clean sheets. We've retained a lot of that team, you know, we, we lost the odd player, but it feels like we should have been able to keep some of that momentum going. Um, so, you know, do we think that that was just a, one of those kind of magic seasons and, as we said, maybe we're not going to hit those heights again? I think one of the, the curious things this season is how good Callum Gallagher has been um, and we've scored a lot of goals. Um, we've played a lot of good football. Uh, I don't think we've necessarily played the best football compared to other teams. I thought Queen of the South were played far better than us in terms of passing the ball on Saturday. Um, I think it flows from no having, as Colin said, a big, big centre-half, a solid guy, and somebody in the middle of the park who does that kind of dirty job. Um, I think we're very lightweight in the middle of the park. I don't want to be too critical of Reese, but I think he plays too deep. And the gap between them counter-attacking on us and our defence is just astonishing. So individual mistakes, team tactics. Um, I don't think any of the teams in the division are much better than they were last season, but we just we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot. Other teams would say that as well, but so disappointing that Calvin Gallagher is in a great season, and yet here we are, we're maybe toiling to finish fourth. Depends on the game uh, tomorrow. Um, I think if we win tomorrow, my optimism comes back, um, but it's it's a sore effect, as uh, quite a few people have said. I don't need to translate that idea. It's a sore effect. Sorry, uh, over to you. <laughs> I, I'd agree on the, like Callum Gallagher's. I was never his biggest fan uh, because I, I felt like in some big games he, he missed good chances. I feel like he missed a good chance against Queens Park and the. The second leg of the playoff final, I feel mm. like he missed a good chance against Cove. However, uh, he's part time. He's kind of filling out the squad, and he's been the one who I think has improved upon last year. He's always been pretty solid for us. But I mean, the I was, the goal against Falkirk. I'm sure I saw Robinho score a goal at that for Man City once. The last week, this kind of gorgeous backward flick from the corner. These are goals that are worthy of winning games and they're getting just chalked up as uh, as consolation. So he's been brilliant. But is anybody else in the team better? So Callum Smith seems to have lost his way a bit. This time, on that run you were talking about uh, last year, Emma, you kind of trademark chop in from the left-hand side, hit it with his right foot into the bottom corner. We saw it a few times. His confidence was high. His goals have dried up a bit. He'll always work hard for you, but uh, he's not been as prolific scoring other than a run maybe in the middle of the season. Uh, Fordyce has been less effective, uh, probably the same with McCabe. Frizzle, there was a lot of talk about, oh, Frizzle, early on in the season when things were looking better, uh, he's still not been there, it's given him the freedom to be more of the playmaker, but he's not, he can't do the same role as Easton 
you could give the ball to Easton on the edge of the box and he'd have a bit of magic from tight space and often score or create chances. Adam Frizzle's not quite the same type of player uh, and because there is more pressure on him to be like a playmaker rather than just do some of Dylan Easton's donkey work, he's not showing up as well. So I think although a lot of the squad is still there, if you're scoring them what, out of 10 for their season so far, they're probably all down other than Gallagher on last year. And that happens sometimes in football. Uh, Liverpool are going through that this year. They're way down on where they've been the last couple of seasons with a lot of the same players. Is it down to having... Can we get a 7 nothing? <laughs> you never know, man. That might be tomorrow. But is that down to, and that's the type of thing this team would do? Uh, is that down to what's it down to? Is it just the players' levels have dropped a bit? Some of them are, well, they're all a year older. Some of them are getting towards the end of their career. Is it because we don't have a manager and we've got a player manager? I don't know. It could could well be any of those things. Is um, it because we could be losing some of them at the end of the season as well? I mean, that's that, that a, yeah, that's that must... also a concern as well. That must come into it, yeah. And, and that's I think the big concern with this team of. We did keep a lot of the team who had that long unbeaten run together uh, by appointing the cake quickly and signing up guys that you might have thought would have walked like Frizzle uh, and we've still got Smith there and adding in Cammy Ballantyne. Uh, but it's just not, it's not been quite as good as last year. And yeah, I, I, I think where the fans are going now is there's more and more pressure on Reese McCabe because the, conclu- the, the, the conclusion you would draw, the simple one as well, Ian Murray was getting more out of this same group of players. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that is a point, Arnold, we come to you on this one. You know, we knew we would have a rookie manager this season. Um, my own, and I know some people, as we were saying earlier, maybe patience is, is wearing thin and, and they're questioning the wisdom of having both your manager and your assistant playing, which I think are just natural questions and frustrations that are going to come up when you've had the kind of month month like we had. Um, my own personal view is if you're going to bring in a rookie manager, you have to be prepared to give them the season and if the playoffs are the target and we're still within touching distance, then we've got to we've got to see that out. What are kind of your views, Anne? Because I know I think a few people are getting a little bit twitchy about the managerial situation. Yeah, well, I think if Ian Murray's taught us anything, it's if you give a manager time, sometimes it does work out, although we didn't manage to make the final step last season. But I think uh, you're right in saying that he had majority of the the same players last season and they just seemed to be that bit better. So I'm not sure exactly why that is. But I don't think Reese has come in and done a bad job considering him and Dicey are both having to focus on playing games on the park as well. So it can be easy. Um, I think if we're going to keep Reese is the manager, and even Dicey's assistant, we need to either give uh, Prunts and Hutts more responsibility and uh, they get to, because they can see the games from the sidelines, uh, they could maybe offer some of their advice, or I think you've got to set one of them on the sidelines, because I don't think it's working during games when they're too caught up in the moment, they can't really make changes where we can see a change needs to be made. So I think the solution probably is to have someone on the sidelines who can do a managerial job. Uh, Colin Campbell, you're in the patience wearing thin category, I think. The general consensus in our car uh, on the way down and on the way back was the board will back him if we finish fourth because I think that was the target 
uh, this season. So I, I, I would be happy to the wrong word. Uh, if we finish fourth, I, I would certainly want to keep Reese as a manager. The big failing, I think, is that uh, I don't think Callum should have been made the assistant manager. Um, I think he would have stayed anyway. Um, I, I, but we needed somebody in the touchline who was a bit uh, otherworldly, who could uh, see things from there. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm a hopeless football player, but how, how you can see the pattern on, on the park when you're just one guy and uh, a team. So I think that possibly was the mistake. We needed a, an experience. Dare I say somebody like Sandy Clark, who ended up in the Lowland League with East Stirling, might well have been somebody uh, that would have helped. I don't think the, the board didn't get that sorted out. The support mechanism is not there. So I don't blame Reese or Callum personally, but I don't think that, that that's worked. But we did think it was fourth is what we would do. One of my friends said on the way down, had he heard that team uh, that was announced when he got in the car at one o'clock, he'd have said, just drop me off back in Glasgow. <laughs> he, would, he wouldn't have gone to the game despite having paid the ticket. Um, so, but we're, we're optimistic, but realistic. Fourth is what we've got to get. And I think as years go on, I've become more and more of a pragmatist in supporting Airdrie. So, I mean, I'm still pro Reese McCabe uh, I just think this season was always going to be tough so if Falkirk and Dunfermline being such big clubs as Falkirk fans especially like to, to remind us all if they deploy their resources properly then Airdrie should be really struggling to, to compete with them over the course of a season I think that's just what we're, we're seeing this year so you have to take a bet on doing something a bit different and hoping that it comes off and I think we tried it with Finlay in terms of let's try and be like a really well-resourced part-time team and sign the best part-time players that we can, and it didn't work. Uh, then Aaron, like you say, with Ian Murray, it wasn't quick, but they stayed with him and he got back-to-back second-place finishes but couldn't get through the playoffs. This time they've kind of rolled the dice on the disappointment. I think to keep things together and try and have that continuity when all those years under Ian Murray it, it had progressed uh, and with the Dunfermline and Falkirk have both performed well so we, we do look way back in the league table if we finish in the playoffs that is enough success uh, in, in terms of what, yeah. what he's got to work with so I, I agree with all all that you said Colin uh, it's just hoping that we we can buck our ideas up a bit and uh, the, uh, we've all spoken on the, the group chat like during the Dunfermline game when it was going wrong you could see uh, just the lack of organisation with Four days ball into the bench, and Aaron, like you said, they don't seem to have uh, any power to make decisions, so they couldn't really tell what was happening. And I think that just fed all the kind of sense of dread within the standoff. Or we're all, we're all over the place here. So I agree, it needs a strong voice on the sideline. That's difficult because I don't think Reese McCabe could have a Sandy Clark on the sideline because then he okay. would just get all the kudos <laughs> as, as being mad. I think just because he's so senior. What if, they, what if they don't agree? So it's, it's difficult. It's someone that uh, Reese trusts to... I think his dad. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> he probably, he's probably doing it anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's someone that he could trust to take over the management during the 90 minutes but not be too strong a voice. And I think, just Sandy Clark, because he's been there, done it all, uh, everybody would see him as a de facto manager if it was going well for Airdrie. And... Okay. McCabe's maybe got enough of an ego where he wouldn't want that. Okay. So 
we've had a we've had a we've had a win. You're all feeling a little bit <laughs> down in the dumps. I think after a February jump, we've got. I probably said that was the hardest run of fixtures I think we've had since we had those opening games at, at the start of the season. But we've got March ahead of us. We've got three games left in March. Where we've got nine games, I think, left to go. Nine games, yes, nine. Yep. So I think we all, you know, are pretty realistic. I think we all said at the start of the season we were aiming for the playoffs. We're still in contention. So we've got, we're recording this Friday night. So we've got Kelty at home tomorrow. We've got Peterhead at home the following week. And then we've got a nice Friday night game away to Clyde on the, the 24th. So what are your kind of hopes for, for March? And do you think, obviously, the league's, over the hill and, and far away now, but um, what do you think? What do you think is achievable? Do you think we'll make that playoff spot? I'll go to Aaron, go to Aaron first. Yeah, <laughs> get the youth. Uh, well, the <laughs> yeah, I think if you're looking at it on paper, the the three games we've got coming up, we really should win them all. But it's not always that simple uh, with Airdrie. So I'm expe- I'm expecting three points tomorrow because I think the players will know that they have to bounce back. And if I, th- I think if we don't win tomorrow, uh, we'll be in a very bad situation because already Al and Edinburgh seem to be pulling away a little bit. And you, so you can't really give them any more points on us if we want to make the playoffs. But I think I'm, I'm quite optimistic again this month. I think and whether we get three wins or not, I'm, I'm expecting a lot better than... We have come off a hard run of fixtures playing... First and second, three out of the last four games. So I'm hopeful that we can win tomorrow at least. Peterhead are are very poor right now. So if we can't beat them at home, I know we didn't earlier in the season, but I think this time around, if we don't beat them, I'll be very disappointed. And then Clyde, we usually seem to get the better of Clyde. So hopefully that'll be that'll be three wins this month and us maybe back in the playoffs by the end of the month. Yeah, I'm going for a nine points and 14 goals. We'll take four off Kelty, five off Peterhead, and five off Clyde. I just, I just want to check we're not conceding 14 goals, just, just to no, be clear. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're going to score 14. We're going to get that famous picture of 0-5. Well, I don't know if they have that in New Douglas Park, do they? Do they have a stadium scoreboard? I can't I remember. I couldn't tell you. It's been a while since I've been. Um but seriously, I've gone for a 2-1 win tomorrow in my Pine Buffalo Prediction League. Um, I've just lost top spot, so I'll swap that for Airdrie winning three games in a row. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. You don't support them for 60 years and think that uh, they're going to lose games. You always think they're going to win, even in the Finlay days. <laughs> it's the hope that gets you into it. Yes. Mr. Tepperd? Over to Mr. Telford. Yeah, no, I'd share, I'd share that optimism. I think we need to, really need to try and get at least two wins and a draw at the next three. But I think it's going to come down to home form. So I'm just looking at the fixtures. Like Montrose at home, Queen of the South at home. Those are those are big games. Our home form has been pretty good, other than when Edinburgh come visiting and then we've had that dodgy run there. But if we can get back to having good home form, winning most of these remaining home games... Yeah, I think that would be enough to see us into the, the top four. But it does feel like it needs a bit of a bounce back uh, tomorrow. Any kind of dodgy performance would be, uh, it would really kill the mood. So everything crossed it. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what happens. In our car, we, we all feared having to go to Edinburgh in the last game of the season. 
needing a point, three points. So um, we need to do something way before that. That's a horrible ground. I wouldn't go. If we were safe in fourth place, I don't think I would go. So, yes, let's go for it. So that's three plant go for, for nine out of nine in March then. We're all, we're all confident. Yes. Yeah. Um, Curse of death on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to predict. Every prediction I ever give goes the, the opposite way. So I'm just going to wait and see what fate brings, I think. Um, so I think that the final thing I was probably say was just, um, obviously we've seen Dunfermline play Falkirk midweek and I think there was over 9,000 at that game. What a crowd, yeah. What a yeah, crowd. Well, you know, so as we've seen a little bit of rumblings in the well, social media this week about proposed league reconstruction, none of which actually mentions extending the, the championship. Um, it seems to all be designed around supporting B teams into the league. But do you think seeing that, that crowd the other night, and obviously we brought out a really good crowd for the playoffs, um, the playoff final. So it just shows that support can be there. Is there an argument for extending that championship, do you think? Well, there may well be an argument, but uh, self-interest means that they'll no do it. I hate the B-team idea. I hate the Challenge Cup or whatever it's called. I hate the Lowland League for taking basically peanuts and you know, letting them come in and hell mend them if some of them end up in the West of Scotland League or whatever it is they do. The whole thing, the whole thing is a shambles. Just to suit the old firm, basically. Although you're not allowed to call them that now, I think. So, yes. It's never you going call to them what they like on here, Colin, if it's a safe space. Yeah, that's, that's the old firm's polite. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. Airdrie's the perfect example of why we need an extended championship because we can't get out of league one as it is. And it's really causing... If you want to see growth in Scottish football, I don't think you would lose competitiveness in the championship by extending it a bit. And seeing Falkirk and Dunfermline stuck in a league with one automatic promotion place, uh, it's not great. A wider, a bigger league would allow for it. Would still allow Cove and Queens Park and all these teams with a bit of new money to uh, get up through the leagues quickly if they're able to do it. So uh, it's just down to can they take the collective view of things? Because as Colin says, it often comes down to self-interest. And uh, for the teams who are already in the championship, uh, they're probably quite happy that like Morton finishing second bottom and, and staying up under that system suits them and it takes away the risk of relegation in our league. So. I remain hopeful that one day it might happen, but it's not it's not done as well. We've been in 10 team leagues for a very long time now. Aaron, if you could make any changes, what would what would you like to see? Yeah, well, I think obviously making the leagues bigger would be better. No one really wants to play each other four times a season and you're playing the same teams because it's so hard to get promoted because of the one automatic play. So you're playing them, you know, four or five seasons in a row, four times. So I, I don't see why, uh, I don't actually see many negatives with making the leagues bigger. I think it would benefit. Also, I don't like the, the Colts team's idea, um, especially since I'm hearing that they could be promoted as high as our league. Uh, so especially if you're not going to extend that, we're going to end up playing you know, Celtic V four times a season. Just I, I don't like the idea, but I do think extend the leads, uh, if, if they ever did it, would definitely be. I think the fans and the teams, everyone would like to see that a lot more than the the 10-team leagues we're in. Yeah, I think that's one of the problems 
I have with it is, is allowing them to come up through the league to League One, but but no higher. And then, as you say, if you're playing them X amount of times a season, you know, if, if both were there, and obviously you've, I think you've got you've got other teams with B teams as well. So, you know, how, who's to say how many B teams you could end up with in a league? But they can't get promoted. Therefore, to me, that just distorts a competitive league competition. Um, and I think if you're going to reconstruct, it needs to be at least an attempt to be for for the benefit of all. And and I don't see how focusing it around B teams is to the is to the benefit of, of everybody. You know, we know they don't draw crowds. We know nobody wants to watch them. Their own fans don't go and watch them. So why should we? Is yep. is where I land on it. Okay, so I, I tried to kind of end it on a, on a cheery note, but now we've ended up moaning about, about B teams. But, but <laughs> um, hopefully it wasn't too depressing for everyone and we're all looking forward to a, a much better uh, finish to well, March when we have remember, in February. Yeah, remember Mark McGinn did a great B song about the big F and B. Uh, maybe I'm the only one who knows that one, but that sums up to me the idea of having them in the league's F and Bs. <laughs> The podcast title sorted as well, so well done, Colin. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks very much, everyone, and, and thanks for joining us for the, for the first time. There's a beautiful little town called Effin, just outside Edinburgh, just 800 miles outside Edinburgh. <laughs> it's in France, and, and in this town, you know, which is famous for its honey, there's an awful lot of bees. There's a factory there where they make Jean Durham's truncheons. Or as the French choose to call them, Polishman buttons, you know. <laughs> he kept bees in the old town of Effin. An Effin beekeeper was he. <laughs> and one day this Effin beekeeper was stung by a big F and B. <laughs> now there's big F and B keepers. We F and wife. For the big F and Polish she ran. For as nobody can sort out a big F and B like a big F and Polish man can. <laughs> Polishman, he did his nut, and he ran down the main effing street, and his horn was a big effing button. He had big effing boots on his feet. <laughs> now the Polish got hold of his big effing bee, and he twisted the effing bee's wings. But his big effing bee got his own back. For this big F and B had two stings. <laughs> now they're both in the F and Museum. And the F and folk often come see. The remains of the big F and Polis stung to death by the big F and B. Yeah. <laughs>